Namaste, and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, and today I am speaking with Alexa Hauser, who is an intuitive business coach, healer, and host of the popular podcast, Inner Bloom. She uses the modality EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique, or quote-unquote tapping, to help her clients process their emotional blocks so they can feel empowered in their ability to make change. Welcome, Alexa, to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I love being on other people's podcasts. It's such a breath of fresh air for me. So Mm -hmm. thank you. I'm so happy to have you here because as you know, and the first question I ask all my guests is I want to find out from you, what does it mean to be a modern mystic? And I love your podcast because to me, your podcast really embodies this notion that seems oxymoronical to some people and almost like an implicit duality. But underneath it, that term modern mystic to me is so synonymous because um, how our modern life can support our mysticism is such uh, impetus for me having this podcast and yours does that so well. So what does it mean to you, Alexa? Yeah, I love this question. I love, I told you from the first time we met, I love your podcast name. um, And I love this question because, you know, I think when we started our podcast, uh, my podcast co-host and I, we this was really what our podcast was about, you know, bringing that spirituality or that mysticism into modern day, into these, you know, human lives that we're living um, and making it normalized, normalizing. We, our main intention was to normalize the abnormal, meaning, you know, as I was growing up, spirituality and, you know, intuitive stuff, that was considered very woo-woo from, like, me and the people around me, you know, until I had my awakening and I realized, wow, this is – spirituality is not – I think it gets put into this category of, um, you know, I think people have an idea of what it means to be spiritual and it feels like, oh, if you're spiritual, you, you have to devote your whole life to that and you're separate from other people and you can't move about in the world and do normal things. Like that was the image that I had of it at least, um, which is why when I had my awakening, I was so afraid like I thought I was going to lose everything and everyone and I wasn't going to have be able to be a normal person. Um, but as, you know, time has gone on and as I've, I've gone through my awakening, I've realized, no, actually right now as we're having this collective awakening – be we're awakening in order to have this modern mysticism in order to integrate the spirituality into our our humanness you know and ground that into uh the collective into society into our world so that we can live from a more conscious place it doesn't mean going off in a cave and meditating by ourselves it means bringing these philosophies and these understandings into our daily lives and sharing that light with with the people around us, you know, for the better. A hundred percent. Love so many things you said in that, in that response. One of them I want to point out, because it's a really 
sweet phenomenon that I think is is often the case for many people when they start awakening, as many of our listeners I'm sure have experienced or maybe currently are experiencing, is this moment when you start to become more attuned to the universe and um, the really highest part of yourself, capital S, I call it the awakening anxiety, which is this common phenomenon where sometimes people feel like that they have this awakening spiritually and psychologically, and then they, they literally give up their friends for a while or divorce their partner, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. those type of things. And so thank you for speaking of that, because it's a really common thing that you start having these experiences and you think, as you said so beautifully, then how in the world do I integrate that into the life I knew? And of course, this is a process, um, but that's the point of it. Being a modern mystic is learning to integrate it into the life that you knew to enhance one's life and then in turn enhance and like you said, help this awakening of consciousness that we're collectively experiencing and being a part of, right? We can become actually a leader in that through doing so. So gorgeous. Well, one of the things that I just love about your work and you is that you talk a lot, and you already did, about really practical and and concrete ways to be embodied and to up-level and shift one's energy within oneself and one's life. So I'd like to, you you Taurus goddess, (laughs) (laughs) sun and moon, which is all about friends listening, because a lot of our friends love astrology. I have that, um, you know, everything you want to know astrology episode. That is my top episode. People love that episode. So, so check that out if you don't know what I'm talking about, but Taurisian energy is all about learning to be embodied. And just like Alexa, you just stated, you know, really being in our lives to do so. And so Mm -hmm. I'd love to ask you, Um, for some gens during this very intense time, ways we can all fortify and up-level our energy. You know, what a modern mystic does is we look around at one's physical world right here, right now, and all these physical things, including our bodies as gateways to do so. Like you said, not running away into a cave and meditating, though we should meditate, in my opinion, every day, (laughs) but then come back to the world. (laughs) It's a running towards oneself there and running towards the world and coming back to the world quickly after that. (laughs) Um, To move towards this physical, really to touch the aphysical. So I wanted to talk with you about space and our physical homes and our workplaces. Mm. What are some energetic hacks that you can share to cleanse or clear the energy of spaces that we live and work in? Because all the point of this mysticism is, you know, to, to up-level our lives. Mm. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and I, I really like that we're talking about this because, you know, it, it's my belief and I know many others believe that your external is really just a reflection of your internal and your internal, a reflection of your out. I mean, it, it all kind of blends together and reflects one another, right? But it's mm-hmm. this idea of, you know, if your outer um, environment is clear or is uh, arranged in a way that is conducive to the energy that you're wanting to um, create and project, it's going to be much easier for you to do that. Um, I have a friend that I work with who is a she does feng shui, but she really works with people on their offices or their homes in order to make sure that in, – in order to help them like amplify their businesses, right? Um, so many of us mm. are working from home right now and especially those of us in in this um, – 
conscious world who who we want to make change, right? It's really important for us to be um, to streamline our energy, and that's something I'm actually really passionate about right now in terms of. You and I were talking about this uh, in one of our first conversations. We were talking about that idea of simplifying to amplify, right? As you you so beautifully said, um, I was talking about you know less effort, more impact. And I think that your space is um, really an integral part of being able to do that because if you have clutter in your space, for example, then that's really taking up your energy without you knowing it. Um, so one of the one of the things I love to do is um, on a very physical level, like cleaning out my space. I have a office, so we live in a two bedroom condo. Um, it's it has a lot of space in it, but that also means that there's a lot of space for things to collect and you know mm-hmm. for us to, to place everywhere. And you know, I, I did a big clean this summer. And, uh, and it was so great. And then we have since gotten married and now have all of this stuff from our wedding in our, in my office. And your question is a big reminder to me that like, I really need to do another clean. Um, so, so that's, that's one very basic thing. Um, I also really love to shake up the energy in my home, but with music, with sound. Um, I love to dance. I think like, Dancing is a great way to fill the space with uh, energy and to shake up the energy and to also shake up the energy in our bodies. Um, That really helps raise my vibration when I'm needing to get into another zone. Um, And then, of course, I mean, there's always, I've definitely, I definitely sage. You know, I use Palo Santo, essential oils. I'm sure you've talked about those tools on this this podcast before, but. I think in general, it's whatever way really resonates with you that helps you feel like you're shifting the energy in your space because the truth is everybody is going to resonate with something different that makes them really feel like something is shifting and changing. Um, And I think it's important to pay attention to whatever it is that works for you that's going to help you feel like you can now streamline your energy so that you can do the work that you're here to do. Mm, love all those uh, jewels and gems because what you said, of course, first is so important and concrete, right? Like organize, declutter those things. But, you know, we all know this. We Most of us were taught this as kids. But what you're getting at is to more of the spiritual energetic reasons, which is what I asked you. And that's because, like you said, things absorb energy, right? Mm-hmm. And I heard this interesting phenomenon a while ago from someone I don't know if you're familiar with like the the more it reminds me of like feng shui but it's from the Indian tradition Mm -hmm. called vastu and what this one expert was talking about with me is how like in America we have this consciousness because our a lot of our ancestors went through the depression so there was like you know and that really wasn't so long ago so there's like an aspect for people who have abundance in their life materially in our country, particularly to hoard, because in our family lines, there's this, you know, and in our DNA energetically, there's this, uh, this remembrance of that time. Mm -hmm. So I always think that's really interesting. And I love what you talked about, um, just in terms of up leveling one's vibration, right? Because the things around us, you know, are made up of energy as we are. So we're implicitly affected by that. And as you said, your external environment is reflective of the internal 
And, um, and then of course it can be vice versa. I'd love to talk about, about more hacks too. You said some great things. I love what you talked about dancing because again, like you said, it shakes up energy because often in our houses, especially like you said, during this time right now, we're, we're home a lot. There's a stagnation because it's the same for a lot of us, monotony day after day after day. And yeah. so we don't get to leave our space and then kind of shift our energy. Like sometimes when we go on vacation, we up-level our energy. We feel so expanded or something. And then we come back to our space and then we want to like reorganize our house because we have yes. like, right, like up-leveled our energy. And then we can like see our own house more clearly. Mm. Um, other things, because I haven't talked so much. So I'd love to because I'm in a, a newer podcast, like things that you mentioned, which are great. Um, you know, the smoke clearing, the smoke medicine of sage, of Palo Santo, those are really, um, they're called like neutralizing um, powerments of energy. So it like neutralizes negative stuck energy. Salt is another thing um, yeah. that you can put out salt in your home to sort of absorb stale and negative energy. Lemons, limes, chilies, chili, they do chili peppers in South America, I'm told, is a big hack mm. around there. Um and the old, you know, garlic, that is, that's, that's real. That's not just from like vampire movies. That actually comes from traditions of something that's considered potent to absorb energy. And I love, I do a lot of, um, I've done a lot of work with my students and clients, just as you said, with sound and even like playing 24 hours. And we have access to that now on Spotify, of course, like a mantra and sacred syllables. So if there's a space that's really stale or stagnant, putting some kind of sacred chanting or music. Um, because all those things, as you said, have intention, like there's an intentionality to them. And in our spaces, we're trying to create intentionality. Um, so I love what you talked about dancing. That's such a good one, right? So yeah. Good. And I what love about- your idea. Sorry, I was just going to say, I really love your idea about like those 24-hour like chanting because I was just thinking about when I went – you know, I've been on retreats before and trainings where that's just been, it just sets such a tone. And that's, that's the thing is you're, you're just, all these things just help you reach a certain frequency. And like you said, there's intention within them as well, beautiful intentions. And so um, that's a really good idea. I think we're going to do that later today. Just making a note for myself. <laughs> it's so powerful to put something yeah. on for 24 hours. I love that. And um, what you said about, um, about, you know, what works for you. And that's the thing about being a modern mystic. It's not some dogmatic, like do X, Y, and Z. There's no formula. Being a mystic is learning to cultivate that inner GPS, trying different tools and spiritual techniques and psychological hacks, and then seeing what actually shifts you and what helps you up-level your vibration. Um, Another thing, I don't know, do you work with uh, gems and quartzes and stones at all? Oh, yeah. I have uh, crystals all over the place. I have three on my desk right now. Which ones do you have on your desk? I want to hear. So I have black tourmaline. I have citrine. (laughs) And then I have one that I picked up on my mini moon, um, which I'd never even heard of before. Actually, this is a cool story. So I was... Oh, wait, no, this is a different story, but it, it's fine. It's still cool. I We were in Joshua Tree, never been to Joshua Tree before, and we happened to be there at – I had no idea when we booked this trip that it was the hottest time of the year. Like, like no one goes to Joshua <laughs> Tree during this time. So anyway, we, we had to do a lot of things during the day that didn't involve, like, being out because it was too hot. So we went into this uh, crystal store, and um, I went through, like, some big crystal phases where I was buying so many crystals without much intention. So now in, you know, in 
this phase of my life, I'm very kind of intentional about if I'm picking up a crystal, you know. So I walked in and said, if there's something that I need, like let it stand out to me. And this crystal I'd never heard of before, it's called Vanadonite. It's orange and it's like, it's so hard to explain. It's just so unique looking. And I picked it up. And of course, when I read what it was for, it was like exactly what I was dealing with at that time. Um, so that is my my special crystal that's kind of always with me on this desk. Mm, I don't know that one. I'll have to look it up. That's I love that story because you're talking about um, what I was talking about with a client the other day when she was saying to me, how, like about how do I develop my intuition? You know, and she's a very cerebral person. And so we were talking about, you know, literally just that going into it was a literal rock mineral store and just feeling like what stands out to you. And I, I want to actually get to that in a little bit. That's a great um, pathway to go down about our own ability to be psychic and all these ways to do that. Um, but I want to first honor that I have a huge piece of black tourmaline. I just got a couple months ago. I've never sat with black tourmaline and it is rocking my world, pun intended. Um, <laughs> it's it's For those listeners who don't know, black tourmaline is for protection, mitigating negative energy and it like blocks, um, deflects anything that basically you don't want to invite in your life. And it also roots and grounds. Um, it's connected to the, to the muladhara, the first chakra center. And um, it's great, like anti-anxiety, helps sleep. It's associated with the planet Saturn. Um, and it transforms essentially psychologically like dense energy into lighter vibration. So that's a great one. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I love yeah, mine. You can I picked up mine because like I don't usually like hold it, but I just picked it up and was feeling like I love this thing so much. I love black tourmaline. It's just such a great basic. It's not basic, but it's just such a great crystal to have. I think it's just always good. It is. And, and, you know, all aspects of nature can teach us something. And so, you know, that's a way to explore nature. And I had a, my last podcast episode was on water. And um, so if you listeners who haven't heard that one, it's fascinating. And I go into the science, like on a molecular level, how water is essentially comparable to the um, literal molecular level of crystals and crystals that are so complex amplify energy. So that's the other empowerment of working with with um, stones and, and gems in this way that you're amplifying energy. And the mystic knows that really a lot of the energy we seek, like energies of abundance or energies of trying to pass through a, a dark gateway of the soul, right? The answers are within us, but sometimes they're cloaked and we just can't find them. And so this is a tool and a technology that they amplify energy that's already within you. And they also attract energy from the universe where those things are too and draw them to you. So that's sort of the, my, my experience of that work. Um, but yeah. I love feng shui and it's such a funny thing when, when I have a story like years ago, I was a casting director and um, I was essentially three, three days straight in New York in casting calls, which were like 10 hours and little break and you're in a dark room. So I, I meet this woman and she's a casting director, but she tells me, oh, she's studying feng shui. So we're just like bored and essentially stuck for three days in this in this little room. And and so she starts saying, like, draw your bedroom for me. And I was like, <sighs> okay. Like, she's like, you know, <laughs> so I just like show her all my furniture. And she was like, oh, okay, well, your work and desk life is totally in your romance life. 
And so you should change that. And I was like, well, that's fine because I don't really want to meet anyone and I'm not looking for anyone and I like my love life how it is. <laughs> so then like a couple of days later, I was I go back to, to Philadelphia where I'm from and I was looking at my room and I was like, ah, and it was that kind of playful what she said. And so I just kind of did everything she said. I just like shifted things around and I was looking to shake things up as I always am and always have been. And it's hilarious because two days later, I met my current husband. Like, wow. it was wild. So that's my wow. like feng shui story. It, I love that because it's so it really is so powerful. I mean, it truly like our energy is like organized into these kind of certain areas. And it's like it makes me th- it makes me think about like when I was little, uh, I would, you know, I ha- I was an only child and um, I would always every few months I'd want to shake up my room. I just want to like put things in different places, you know, and why it's because like I wanted to feel fresh, like I wanted something to change. I wanted to feel newness. And, um, you know, so I, I didn't know anything about feng shui then, but it's like use actually utilizing the knowledge of, you know, what where energy can work for you in the best way or how you can leverage your your energy to get what you want, to manifest what you want. I mean, that is amazing. Like it's, it's so amazing that we can do this. And it really shows you like even just that story, it really just shows you the power of, of leveraging the right energy for the, the right outcome, you know? I love that. That's such a brilliant thought because even in science, like on a molecular or biological level, like so many things have similar constituents, but it just depends how they're arranged. Like carbon is, you know, graphite for a pencil or a diamond. They're, it's exactly the same. You know, the ingredients in a, in, you know, in a soup can be the same, but it's like how you arrange yes. them and the application. I love that so much. What you said about energy, it's so good. Yeah. And like I learned, um, I don't know if it was like t- I feel like five or 10 years ago about um, the Southeast quadrant of a house being for abundance. Mm-hmm. And so I started just like, you know, focusing and praying and, and doing some ritual there. And it just was like you said, it's just like this amazing vortex just anchored in because I was just being efficient with what was already energetically. Mm-hmm. And I'm a human in a house. So why not line it up in the, the most skillful way? That's what totally. a mystic does. My my feng shui friend who I was mentioning, she was she was breaking it down for me even in terms of like um, that like your room there's like fractals of your room within your room right so your desk is like a fractal of the room your your physical desk so it's like your desk has the quadrants the same quadrants that your room has so you could even go down to the level of your desk and be organizing things this goes in this corner this goes in this corner. Like there's so many ways to play with that idea and that energy. And I just think it's so fun and fascinating. Mm. And it really invokes creativity too, because it's mm. like, okay, how, how can I symbolize this? Like, what can I put here that's going to really symbolize what I want to cultivate? I, I was, as we've been talking about this, I'm looking around my office so it's a bedroom that is also an office, which I'm so ex- – this is why I'm looking forward to moving eventually in the near future. But, I mean, it, nobody really sleeps in here unless somebody's coming over. But anyway, so I'm looking on one of the walls, and I, I have strategically placed things. But on one of the walls, um, I have a um, – it's a, it's the first real painting, like, piece of art I've ever bought. It's pretty big. And um, I was just called to it within, it was right around when quarantine was starting. And um, 
I, it's a channeled piece of art. It looks like a stargate with all kinds of light language all over it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but it looks, there's something about when you look at it, it just activates you. It just feels like something's happening. Like, I, And so I, I remember being like, I really wanted this piece. Um, and I was, I never bought this piece of art before. I never invested this much in it, but something about it was like, no, this wants to be with you in this room. Like this wants to be here. And now it's here. And I look at it every day and it just feels so activating to me. And it was channeled from the star system, Lyra or Lyra, L-Y-R-A, like the artist that does it. She's also like a channel and an intuitive. Um, Mm. and it's just so powerful to like have this piece in here that just represents like, you know, activating things in the, in the world. And that's what I feel like I'm here to do. Um, and I also have on another one of my like power walls or whatever is a big piece of paper that says um, with big black marker that says success is inevitable for me. And ever since I've put these two things up, it's like the one thing, the, the big piece of art that gives me like energy. It feels like it just kind of keeps fueling me. And then that that mantra, ever since I put that up, which was even before that, it's like, it just feels like it's changed everything in my business, you know? So mm. it's really cool to think about these different ways you can kind of represent what you need to call in for yourself within your space. So, so potent, so potent. I love that because I feel like, you know, as mystics, we do practices, but one of the biggest, I feel like pitfalls and or leaps for people who are my students and people I just know is that, okay, but then when I go back into the world, like we talked about that modern aspect of the modern mystic, how do I stay with that high vibration and deep intentionality and total sense of self with a capital S when I'm back in the throes of all those, you know, stressful outer life worldly circumstances. And then my, my intention and my sense of self and all those things start to often feel eroded and diminished. And so this is a strategy to, to, like mirrors reflect back to us mm. all that we want to create in our lives, like your pieces of art that sound gorgeous. Oh my goodness, I love this conversation. Okay, I have so many things to talk about. So I want to keep going about yeah. your work with the public because I've done tons of work as well with the public in ways of you know intimate spiritual, psychological healing and physical healing as well as you have. And those of, of us who work with the public a lot, such as teachers, even healers, executives, etc. How can we shield and protect our energy, especially for those of us who are empaths and or HSPs, mm-hmm. for those listeners who don't know the acronym, it's highly sensitive person. Some of us are actually both. So that's something to really um, explore. It's easy. There are tons of tests online. Are you an empath? Are you an HSP? Um, but mm-hmm. They really are two different things, and we can talk about that as well. But I love to hear um, hear your unique expression and things you do working with people, both energetically, psychologically, and physically, which is a true a true gift of yours. Mm, thank you for this question. I love talking about this because, yeah, I am an empath. Um, honestly, I don't know if I'm I've, – I've heard that term many times, but I don't know if I'm a highly sensitive person. I actually, like, didn't exactly know that there was a difference, so that's interesting to me. Um, should I – Should I, why don't I pause and just yeah. talk about that? Can I, please? Sure. And then I feel like your answer will be even more helpful for people. Sure. Okay, so my experience and understanding, empaths are not just noticing other people's feelings. Like, people can be really attentive and in tune how other people feel, but the, that line that 
gets crossed when you're an empath, not that it gets crossed, but that <laughs> as an empath, you might feel it gets crossed. But um, it's that experience of often absorbing other people's emotions to the point where you feel those emotions right alongside that person. You could even like start to like have physical symptoms of that person. Um, some people manifest that way and or emotionally, but you essentially feel exactly as that person feels. Um, HSP is a little different. Um, you can, again, be both. And some people are both. A lot of HSP people actually are empaths too. Like that's the majority of the way it goes as opposed to vice versa. But HSP people tend to be like easily overwhelmed by things like bright lights, strong smells, sirens nearby. They get like rattled if you have a short amount of time to do something. Um, an HSP wouldn't like avoid violent TV shows and movies. Um, needing to like withdraw every day, like just mm. total silence, you know, maybe even in the dark every day so you can get like relief. And then like, 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 like you need to do that to function, not like you mm -hmm. want to do that. Um, like when you're a kid, did your parents or teachers see you as particularly sensitive or shy? Um, and highly sensitive people often really have a great kind of intuitive psychic aspect um, so it's not always like, oh, you just cry at a Kleenex commercial. Like I have a dear friend in my life who's like, but I cry at Kleenex commercials, but like, she's not either one of those things. Right. So it's not yeah. necessarily tears. It has to do with that, like that line of psychic and, and sensitivity. <laughs> okay, cool. So it sounds like I'm both because like every single thing <laughs> you that you listed for HSP <laughs> is like exactly me. I am every single time I hear a siren, I get physically angry actually. Mm -hmm. I'm like I I want to I want to jump out of my body. Like I don't understand why it has to be why sirens have to be the way they are. It just <laughs> makes me so irrationally angry. Um because I it just it's too much. It's just way too much for me and I I am so sensitive to TV. I that anytime even if my husband wants to watch like a law show I'm like no no we can't do this right now I, I I'm just very sensitive to the tone of things um yeah. and I remember being little and being this is how extreme it was when I was little I would we would be in the car and uh in between the radio you know like songs playing on the radio the commercials would play on the radio radio commercials made me so terrified. I do not know why. I would be like, we have to change this immediately, immediately, immediately. Like I, it just, it, it, I don't know what about it. it. just scared me. I did not like the vibration of it. I did not like the the tone of it. Um, it still don't like that. Um, so well, I love, I, I wanted to articulate a little bit because I want to normalize it as, as you're such a proponent of, because yeah. these, the, of course these are, you know, constructed, um, labels and archetypes, but they can be so helpful for our listeners, right? To know like, oh, okay, this is a thing. And then yeah. this is okay. And there's actually gifts about these things. And I think a lot of people who work with the public and are healers and are educators and teachers like you and I are, right? We are these, you know, archetypes. So it's so helpful to know about them. So then we can work with them. Oh, so tell us how absolutely. to work with them. I, I <laughs> And before I get into that, I actually wanted to speak a little bit to empaths and something I've come to understand about empaths, which I think is extremely empowering to know and understand about them, is that a lot of the times empaths are actually developed because they had a scenario in their childhood or in their family or in their home um, 
that was very unstable or chaotic or explosive or aggressive. And essentially, they needed to develop the ability very early on to determine from a safe distance whether or not it was safe to enter a room, whether or not it was safe to speak to someone, whether or not, like, they had to basically extend their feelers out way beyond their body to feel out what was safe. Is it safe for me to go in there with mom right now? Is it safe for me to ask dad this right now? Where are they at? Because they were in a scenario that could explode so easily, right? And um, and it doesn't mean that it had to be violent or anything like that. It just means like people could have been arguing at like the drop of a hat or it just it just was was unstable in some way. Um, and so oftentimes when I'm, seeing people and working with people who are empaths, they've they've developed that, abil- that ability for that reason when they were younger. And then that just kind of became their MO without them even understanding that that's what they're doing. They're constantly extending their energy to see, is this person safe? Is this room safe? Is the situation safe? And they're taking on the emotions. Or they're bleeding into the emotions of other people. They're feeling the emotions of other people. And it's exhausting them. Like they have, mm. they're, they're getting overloaded. And so when I start to work with empaths, you know, in, in the work that I do, that's that's really kind of like one of the first understandings that I, I like to help people come to is like, just like you said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not doing anything wrong. There's a, it, it's, it's actually a gift that you have to, to feel into things. You're just doing it automatically. You're not controlling it right now. You just have to learn to control it. And actually you can utilize it, like you said, as a special ability. Um, so I just kind of wanted to speak to that with empaths because it took me a long time to kind of understand that. And I find that when I talk to people who are empaths, it brings them a lot of relief, like you said, to realize, oh my God, that is what's going on. Um, so with speaking to what was your question? How do we then how oh, how do I work with people and not like keep my boundaries up and not take on that energy? Yeah. Yeah. What you said, thank you for it. It's so fabulous. Um, so thank you. And yes, how how can we all um help our protecting of our own energy and having healthy boundaries when we're working with many people? Yeah, so it's definitely been something that I've had to learn over time. And going back to your first question about the space, I think that there's different things that work for everyone. I work with quite a few intuitives and healers and people who are, like you said, working with the public all day, every day. And um, and everybody has something different that works for them. Um, I really like to do visualizations Uh, before I work with someone and after I work with someone, just to clear my energy space and make sure that I'm not taking on anything uh, from any of my clients, making sure that I'm just kind of cutting my cords um, and walking out into my day without, yeah, like taking other people's issues with me. And for me, visualization is really powerful because I'm a very visual person. I also think that visualization is such an underutilized tool um, because the your body really can't tell the difference between what's happening in your imagination and what's happening in what you're seeing. Um, so I, I think it's it's extremely powerful to use visualization tools. Um, 
So that's something that I like to do. Um, I also, going back to dancing, I think that that's a really good way to like shake the energy off. Even if you're just kind of like jumping up and down for a minute or, you know, if you're kind of just dancing and lightening your energy, I think that's a really good way after you've – because I work with people who are going through some pretty heavy stuff. Um, And so when I walk away from a session and then I'm able to just kind of put on a song and dance or sing for, you know, a minute or two, it really kind of helps me um, shake that off and resonate with that higher, lighter place that I like to reside in. Mm -hmm. They're great tips. Um, I love that idea because, yes, when we're energy absorbers, which essentially one would be. Yeah. Um, then you're talking about like literally like detoxing, like getting it out, like you take it in and then you do your work, but then getting it out. Um, I'll share some of my little visualization hacks, but I, I really love what you said and want to highlight because it's great that you can't tell the difference between what's happening if it's happening in the outer world or if we're imagining it, our body responds in the same way, correct? Yes, correct. That's brilliant. That is so important. Do, do, does everybody hear that? So that is the power of the mind, right? And that is that mind-body connection. And that's why visualization is so important. And and a lot of people I work with you know, feel like they quote unquote can't visualize. Yeah. But sometimes, yeah, like just like be, just like being open to like okay i'm going to try to like sense this and i and I, maybe we'll get into that in my next question like some people are a little more sentient um and so they can sense things but just could you offer like what's one visualization you do when you're working with people so there's a um well okay so there's a couple things that came up one is especially for empaths and i'd say hsps as well um, envisioning yourself in a bubble, like a a bubble where you can see through to the outside, but you're in this safe, protective bubble. And then so the inside to the outside is clear, right? You can see everything around you from inside, but the outside surface is like a reflective mirror surface. It's like if you so meaning that anything that's trying to come out from the outside to you is just bouncing off and bouncing back. I find that is a very, very, very helpful visualization, especially for people who if you have to like go out in crowds, for example, and you find yourself picking up a lot of energy, if you can just imagine yourself walking in this bubble where the outside is just reflecting everything back out, I like I can literally feel it happening, you know, when I'm doing that. Um, So I really, really like that one. And I find that a lot of empaths and HSPs really like that one, too. Um, The other thing that I like to do is I have this whole visualization I do when I'm opening up and when I'm closing down that has to do with the chakras. So I will start at my – and this is just kind of to like refresh my energy, right? So I'll start Mm -hmm. at my root chakra and I imagine it like a traffic light. When I'm opening up, I imagine it turning on one by one by one. And I really spend time with each chakra light making sure that like it's on, it's shining brightly, it's flowing, like it's good to go um, before I move to the next one. So I go to, you know, root, sacral, like red, orange, yellow, green, you know, all the way up. And then once I get to the top, I'll envision this white, bright light going from, you know, above down through my spinal column um, and down through the ground. And I just 
will imagine these, I'll visualize all of these lights on and shining and flowing. And sometimes I'll even imagine that there's like a kind of like a puffy outer layer, kind of like a bubble too around me so that these lights are just filling up my space, filling up my aura. And it just makes me feel very well. Like it makes me feel like I'm filling myself up with me. I feel very alive. I feel very healthy. I All of my energy is good. Like I'm good to go. Um, and that always brings me back to center. That always yeah. helps me personally. I love that one. I've never heard that one. That's so great. That's so great. I got like, I got filled up in chills when I heard you talking about it. So I can feel the <laughs> authenticity of, of the, your actual practice of it. Um, I, there's one, um, energy zip up. I call it like suiting up. That mm. reminds me of that. That uh, is very apropos to this conversation and, and not so dissimilar from your chakra light up one in that I start from the mula, the root chakra and go through each chakra, but like I have a zipper in front of the root and then you pull like in your mind's eye or you can even act like, like hold and pinch your hands in front of your root and feel as if you're holding a zipper and then picturing each color and like your, your, zipping up a suit. I think I'm a surfer. So I think about like my wetsuit and like literally zipping up and going past each chakra and then feeling like the light and the heat of that chakra, you know, it would be like hotter below because they're warmer colors, like, like yeah. hugging into yourself and then going up to the, the top of the head. Like if you're going into an area where there are a lot of people or you feel like you're going to be with someone who's more draining um, and then at the end of that, of course, meeting or time, you have to remember <laughs> to unzip yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's that's a really a, a one that I found can be really helpful. I like um, that too. So, it's like a combination of the bubble and the the lights. It's, a, it's a, I know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> See how we can like freestyle our spiritual practices as modern mystics. That's the that's the beauty of it. <laughs> totally. I, I find that my, the things I love the most really just come to me intuitively. You know what I mean? Like, like I take things from, and, and this is the beauty of an, another beautiful thing about being a modern mystic is that we, we're so connected right now in this time period and we get to kind of learn and pick up little pieces of things that really resonate with us from either sessions we have or teachers that we interact with or just friends, you know, who share something with us. We get to just take little whatever resonates with us and leave the rest. And that forms into our own practice and our own uh, techniques that we'll then use with our clients and our community. And I think that's really, really beautiful because everybody is kind of resonating with something, a different style of things at different times in their life. And so there's, that's why there's not just like one teacher there's many teachers or there's many practitioners or there's many healers or there's many leaders or whatever you want to call it because everybody is kind of uh, shifting all the time and needing um, a different type of, of message um, or technique. So I just think that's really beautiful. I think it is so exciting. And that's what is so compelling as you said it. You, you to me, just define what I envision a modern mystic to be. So thank you for that Aww. most eloquent definition. And, and this is the times. Like you'll hear some people and, you know, some circuits, you know, rah, 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 this modern time and, you know, everything's not good. But to me, this is like such an exciting time to be alive because of what you just said. Yeah. You know, we get to be these these literal creators of our own practices and alchemizers of um, 
our journeys because we have access to all this information and information is, you know, in the yoga tradition, they call it Shakti, like the, the feminine creative energy and, you know, technology and information is the fastest vibratory aspect of that Shakti. And so mm. that's, what's so exciting that we have all this, this, um, freedom and access to all these different ways that the, the Shakti can be and, and yeah. come up with what lights us up and, and really helps us develop. I, I want to talk about this whole intuition because, you know, you mentioned just now about like what, what feels right for you and developing that and what you and I are talking about. And I think you and I share that commonality that this comes pretty easily for us, like to DJ our practices, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> right. But this, <laughs> this isn't the case for everyone. And that, you know, that's why we have our own unique um, roles in this. But, you know, I love this truth and understanding that every person has intuitive and psychic abilities. And if you're listening and you are nodding your head, no, not me. I think a lot of people, this is a, a, a big fraction of the population, think that they don't. But truly, you do. And I know that it's becoming more and more of a prevalent mindset. I'm curious, um, you know, for you as a healer, as someone who's had an amazing spiritual awakening and journey. What tips can you offer the listeners who, who want to do the same, but don't feel like they're actually that intuitive, like you and I feel, and how to start to step in and own their psychic powers? You know, as I mentioned in, a, in another answer a few minutes back, there are different ways that we know things and there are different psychic abilities. Often they're coined clairvoyance, clairsentience, clairaudience, clairrecognizance. So these are terms that if you're interested in starting to develop your own inner psychic abilities for the purposes and intentionality of really developing your own practices to uplevel yourself in this world, it's important to know that because a lot of clients and students I work with like, you know, oh, I don't see things, so I'm not psychic. Mm, yeah. You know, even in meditation, oh, like I've been meditating for years, but I'm a terrible meditator because I don't see things, right? Mm -hmm. And then when I work with them and start to talk with them, I realize, oh, you're sensing things more. And that's why you come back to your cushion. You know, you're feeling things more. That's clairsentience, the feeling sense. Or, you know, someone gets more signs through songs or, or hearing. Um, words or messages, right? Or they just know, they just know things. They say, oh, this is, you know, this is how something's going to go down. I don't know how I know. I just know. And then it goes down, you know, and that would be claircognizance. So, so yeah, if you could speak to how people can start to dip their toe in, especially if they feel like they're, they're not having a lot of access or they don't even have access to, to these, these aspects of themselves. Yeah, I love this question, especially because um, up until probably what? It's probably been like a month and a half. I was one of those people that was like, I have very, I've been working in the spiritual world for, you know, a few years now, but I was the person saying, oh, it's everybody else, not me. I, I'm the I'm the logical spiritual person. I'm the I'm the the one who's kind of asking the uh, intuitives the questions, but I, I'm not intuitive. And for for this whole part of my journey, all I've been hearing through readings and other people is like, no, you're you're highly intuitive. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not. I was just in total denial about it because I was in comparison about 
well, I, you know, my, um, my best friend and my business partner, Ambrosia Matthews, she's been a, a psychic medium since she was five, like seeing spirits and having these insane experiences. And, you know, when I met her, even more insane experiences were starting to open up for her. But her gift is like very vivid, like very, very, very vivid. And she's, you know, had it for her whole life, basically. And, and when you say vivid, you're saying clairvoyant, right? She sees things. Is that what you're she saying? Or audience? Clair, clairvoyant, clairaudient. She knows mm-hmm. things. I mean, it's kind of all over the spectrum, but very vividly sees and hears things. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so for, for so for me, I was like, oh, I can't do that. And and um, then a couple months ago. Something started to shift where I think it was in a reading with someone. I can't remember exactly how it unfolded, but I, I started getting the down. I've always gotten downloads. You know, I've always kind of been like, oh, I just feel like this needs to happen. Or I, it's always been kind of downloads for other people. You guys should do this, or you should do this with your business, or I should do this in my business. But it's never been that experience of like, oh, I know this is my guides, right? Or I, or even acknowledging that, that, that I have that connection. And so, um, cause I think a part of me felt like silly, like, I, I don't know, like I had no proof, right? So I mm-hmm. felt silly in claiming that. And meanwhile, I did not feel silly for anyone else in my life. Like I, I'm surrounded by intuitives and psychics and healers, like I said, and I 100% believe and support them and want them to claim that, you know? So something happened like a couple months ago where I started to receive the download that's like, you have got to stop saying that you're not intuitive. This is crazy. Like you are intuitive and you need to start giving your, start taking it seriously. And I just kept feeling like you need to take it seriously. You need to take it seriously. You need to take it seriously. So finally, I said, all right, I will take this seriously. I am going to set up psychic play dates with all of my psychic friends. And um, and I set up like – literally, I set up five, five play dates in a row each – like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, one week. And so on Monday, um, I, I did one and we did remote viewing, we did uh, psychic readings and we did chan- uh, we did mediumship and we did channeling. And I was just kind of like, all right, like I'm ready to try. And turned out that I was getting everything right and I was surprising my own self with the information that was coming through. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Okay. The next day I was like excited to go to my play date and like even more came through. I was like, that's cool. By Wednesday, I was like, all right, I can do this. Thanks everybody. I'm ready to go. And I like went on TikTok and um, I did a like a TikTok live and I did readings for like two hours for people on there and just did all kinds of mediumship and stuff. And I was just having a blast because I was like, oh my God, like I've always been able to do this. I just have never acknowledged that I could and I've never taken myself seriously. I've never actually tried. Mm-hmm. And so as I start, you know, just just ha- I gave myself what happened was I had the safe space to play where it was okay if I got it wrong. It was okay if, you know, I wasn't having a super psychic moment. It was okay for whatever to happen. And I think that that is really the biggest key in what allowed me to totally turn on my intuitive abilities is to, like I said, like set up these like play dates with other people who are of the same mindset, who are not going to judge me, who are totally accepting of this. 
and to just play, you know, mm-hmm. because that's what this is, is it, it's, it's not supposed to be um, so serious. It's not supposed to be, you know, like super hard. It's supposed to be to, to, to have access to your intuitive abilities. You need to kind of open to the lightness about it. And, um, and so anyway, that, that was only like a month and a half ago. And then I started doing readings for people and I, you know, and I like that and I still do it sometimes, but ultimately it just gave me the validation of like, oh, wow, I have always been able to do this. I actually am really good at mediumship. I actually do channel even in times I'm not even fully aware of it. And, um, and that has given me so much confidence in my business. Like now me and my business partner, we're both, you know, intuitively activated. So it feels when we make a decision about something we're going to do together, it feels really like, okay, we know like we know we're supposed to do this. We know that yeah. this is the next step. And that feels really empowering. And so I would just encourage everyone who's listening to this who said, no, not me, not me, to try. Like to, to like I said, find a way to play with someone else who's open to this and just 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 have fun with it. And just the actually the thing that uh, got me to first acknowledge that um, I could, ha- could possibly do this was um, my Ambrosia, my podcast co-host, she um, – she trains people to do this actually to like to help open up their intuition. And one of the things she does with them is she'll pick a celebrity that they don't know, they don't know anything about, but we have all the information like online of like when did they die and like were they married and you know all of this. And so she'll uh, have you connect with this celebrity and ask them information and just write down whatever you get. And then afterwards you can compare it, right, with like what's online. And so the first time I ever did that, I um, I decided to try to connect with um, – what's his name? Bob Ross, the painter. <laughs> and I knew who he was and I loved him as a child. I think so many people love him. He has such beautiful energy. Um, but, you know, I didn't know anything about him. I just knew he was Bob Ross and he painted. That's all I knew about him. So one day when I was like, you know what, let me see, like, let me see – I sat down and I asked Bob Ross all the questions that Ambrosia told you know me to ask um, to check. Such as what? Like, what's an example? So, like, uh, you know, where were you born? Like, did you were you married? Um, like, what did you do? I kind of asked, like, what did you do before you painted? Um, were you ever divorced? Did you have kids? How did you die? Type of thing. And I just remember that. First of all, as soon as I connected to him, I was like, I feel so happy. Like I feel so lifted up right now. I could just sit in this energy for forever. It just feels so nice to connect with this person or this energy. And then I started asking the questions and I got them all right. Like at the end, it was like he told me that um, he, uh, he told me that he had been divorced. He told me that um, – like how many sons he had. Um, he he showed uh, when I asked how he died, he like pointed to something with his throat, and it ended up being something with his throat uh, that he died from. I can't remember that this was this was a couple months ago now, yeah. but it was just a really good way to practice, and it gave me the confidence to be like, oh my god, I did it. Yeah. So, yeah. And it. how did you how did you get these answers? I mean, I think a bit, and and a what lot. you're talking about is so. Um, it is like more advanced 
like just to honor that like you totally like had a master's from another lifetime in this but like did you did you like when you say like oh well, I got these answers I think a lot of listeners are gonna be like like what like I don't feel like I'm psychic and might not have the instant right. download experience that you've had but mm-hmm. like did they come when you said all of a sudden like I knew where did they come from you like did it, you see them did you hear them did you sense them or you just knew them and that that's part um, of what I was speaking of like claircognizance clairsentience clairvoyance and clairaudience yeah, for me, it's really hard to put myself in in a box of like, oh, I'm Claire audience or Claire uh, voyant or Claire sentient. Because for me, I feel like I just feel and know things, but at the same time, I get pictures in my head. So I, mm-hmm. it's it's, I'm not sure if I'm feeling things and translating them into images. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if I'm, I'm not exactly sure which way that that works. But mm-hmm. some of them were feelings. Like when I asked, "How did you die?" I felt where it was in my throat. I felt Mm -hmm. that energy go there. When I asked about um, marriage um, or like kids, I like saw that. I like saw the, Mm -hmm. I saw them. Um, And as I've developed my abilities more and I played with this more, I've gotten like my mediumship has gotten really good because somehow I'm just, I'm really good at, um, when someone says, okay, my brother, I'll just kind of, when I just close my eyes, I tune in, suddenly a face will just pop into my mind. I just see the face. I see what color the hair is. I see certain features that they want me to, they show me visually certain physical features and I'll start describing it and they'll be like, yeah, that's them. Um, So just for the listeners, like I love what you said because you talked about thinking you weren't very psychic and then you, but you somehow knew things. So that would be more like a claircognizance where you just like know things. Maybe mm-hmm. you were somewhat like clairsentience where you start like just kind of sensing or feeling things. Cause I think a lot of people who think that they don't have this ability are more along those lines where like, yeah. if you're see things or you're hearing things, like, you know, that's a gift, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, and the reality is my experience personally and, um, with all sorts of shaman and healers and priestesses I've worked with over the years, like, the majority of people, when you start developing one that you obviously are good at or two, they often inevitably lead and bleed into the others. You know what I mean? Like there are very few people who actually just have one and that's it at all. Um, Because it's all like, you know, a psychic and intuitive field. But I love what you said, because it's all about, you know, really at the end of the day, well, you know, it sounds like a cool party trick, but why are we discussing this? It's not, that's not the intention of any of these practices. They're to turn towards, as you started with in your answer so beautifully, when I make the decision with my business partner now, <laughs> like all of these little psychic play dates and, and development of this amazing power that I have puts me in full source alignment. And then your potency with your work and your business becomes completely magnified and you're literally expressing the greatest potentiality of your soul, your dharma, and in which is the complete gift to the world. And that's the goal for each one of us, right? Totally. And it it gave me this whole new level of confidence because when I was in the stage of saying, oh, everybody else, but not me, that made me very dependent on people. It made me very dependent on people for when I had a question, instead of going within and saying, well, I can get the answer. 
I can, cause now I, I meditate every morning. My, one of my uh, biggest guides is Isis, um, the goddess, uh, the Egyptian goddess. And I, and, and I'm, her, of course I'm staring like, I, of course, like I'm yeah. staring at her and I just got a sticker Aww. from one of my good friends who gave it to me for my birthday. And I just Aww. had a feeling to put her out for wow. this podcast. So that there is, you go, people. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah, she is. I've always felt a connection to her, but I never, like, I would always be drawn to her. I was always drawn to Egypt. I would always be drawn to her specifically, but could never figure it out. And, you know, in, in the past couple of years, really dove into, I've had past lifetimes with her and it's, she, I feel very, very connected to her. But now in the morning, every morning I'll go into meditation. I'm excited to go into meditation because I'm like, okay, I have a question. I will source the answer. Not, Mm -hmm. oh, I have a question and that feeling of like, oh, I really hope this person has time to talk to me today, meaning like my friend or my intuitive friend or, you know, my, it's, it's, it's that feeling of dependency that, that really, I think, um, really limits you. And, and so, like you said, when you can embrace your intuitive, uh, power, whatever that is, because again, like you said, it's going to show up a little differently for everyone, but it's yours and it's supposed to express however it does for you. Um, that's when you're going to feel this whole new level of confidence and empowerment in whatever it is that you are here to do. And you'll feel, yeah, like strength within yourself that you never knew, you know? Totally, totally. So beautifully put. And just to punctuate it with what you said earlier, which was so fantastic is, and it also then can shift over time and you can be comfortable with how your practices shift over time because you're shifting. And so what you need starts to develop and morph because you're developing and up-leveling and deepening and evolving. Um, so, so beautiful. And then of course, you know, we, we meet people and attract people and and we keep learning and like you're teaching people. I just want to highlight for people. So I love that you've had psychic playdates. That's so fun and cute. And then like people can, you know, Google and look, look things like this up, but you can do simpler games too. Like, you know, um, there's a game that I have done with my kids and friends where you just like, you know, rip six pieces of paper and put different simple shapes on them, heart, square, triangle, right? Yeah. And like with a friend and like you said, like low pressure and you just start playing and saying, okay, what shape do I have now? You know, you fold the pieces of paper up and you can do this on Zoom. I did it on Zoom actually with, with some people and you just like play like, okay, is it a heart? Is this, is it that? And it's just amazing how it's like a muscle. You just go to the gym and you practice it. And and so our listeners can, can do that. And that's, I think, what the – I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can – there's so many ways to play with this. And I also think what's really cool about just opening to your intuitive intuition is in whatever way it is, is the way that you develop your own c- language with yourself, with your higher self. Because there's symbols that you – like that mean something to you. There's scenarios that mean something to you that – your intuition will utilize to communicate with you. And I think it's so beautiful the way we develop this connection. And it will get, like you said, it's a muscle. It will get stronger over time. The more validity you give to it, the more you use it, right? The more the more you're going to trust in it, the more like new symbols and new, um, the more the language will develop, you know? And I think that is such a cool process. Because it's like you're getting to know yourself on this whole new level. It's just, it's just, 
it's it's amazing. It's really cool. A hundred, a hundred percent. Love that. Now you had spoke of, and I like to get into this topic. So it's a beautiful parlay about ISIS and this whole past life thing. And and I've you know have. I had a past life thing with her. So when we hit, when we stop recording, wow. we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. Um, so I had the total chills, but you know, past life regression, a lot of people will hear that. And again, think, Oh, that's not me at all. And what, what in the world? And that's so far off from, from anything I've experienced or could experience. And so let's talk about that thoughts and strategies. Um, because that's something I've worked with people a bit and I've had some really incredible mind opening experiences that then again, like all these psychic and intuitive abilities have helped inform and direct my current life <laughs> mm. from past life experiences. And that's what they can do. Um, you know, cause so many of the lessons and the downloads that um, we've experienced and have had in other lives, right. If we're aware of them can help us with these themes in our current life, because at least from a yogic perspective, like we've had other lives and karmically we're here to learn lessons. And primarily a lot of those lessons are the same because we haven't learned them yet. So we keep trying mm -hmm. lifetime after lifetime, you know? So um, I'd love to talk about strategies. I have some things to, to offer, but I want to first start with you. Um, ways to think about starting to play with accessing past lives. Yeah. Um, man, I love this topic. I've, I've always been fascinated with past lives and it's been really fun for me over the past few years to really get in touch with my past lives. Um, so I've done all kinds of things to get in touch with this information. I've done past life regressions. Um, I have done, you know, I, um, my business partner and I, my podcast host, um, Ambrosia, we've, you know, utilized her intuition to look into our past lives together. Um, I have done visualizations myself, um, you know, and I've also just had feelings like, you know, that I've always felt about places um, I, I've always known, always, ever since I first heard about it, ever since I first heard about Atlantis, I knew I was there. I just knew it. I just always felt so connected to Atlantis and I didn't even know what it was. Like I didn't, I just always remember hearing about this legend of Atlantis and I remember there was like a Disney movie about it or something, but I just knew, I felt like my heart was there. I was just going to say, just to highlight that for our listeners, that's like, exactly. Like you can do past life regression work. You can meet with someone or, you know, in this day and age, it's amazing. We have YouTube, um, Brian Weiss. I don't, do you know his yes, work? He's yes, fabulous, I do, right? I like I love his lead, mm -hmm. you know, so look him up and he'll, you can do a guided one, you know, mm -hmm. um, with him. Um, but what you're saying just in terms of empowerment and being a modern mystic, like we also don't have to wait for other people. And you nailed it. Like totally, like anytime you have some kind of connection with a past civilization, or you just have like a desire to go to a certain country so badly, right? I don't, you think mm -hmm. most people have this, like, I just want to go here and there, mm -hmm. like chances are you were there actually. Um, totally. Have you had that experience? Like when you travel somewhere and then you like, you're there and it's like so familiar, yeah, actually, when I was a, what was I, a sophomore? No, was I a junior? Oh, no, I was a junior, a junior in college. So the the year before, when I was a sophomore, I was having like my best, I went to USC, I was having like my best year ever. And I was I had this tight group of uh, girlfriends who were my roommates. 
And uh, they they told me, all three of them were like, uh, we're going to go we want to go abroad next semester. And I was like, what? Because I was a per, I was me being my tourist self. I like, there's a certain element in me that likes things to stay the same in certain ways. So I'm like, wait, what? We're we going to leave? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, where? And they're like, Amsterdam. I was like, what? Like, why would you go there? No. Like I was like trying to convince them out of it. And they were like, we really think you should come to the, the, the seminar with us. Like, we really think you should come like check it out. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to. They dragged me there. I walk out of that seminar and I'm like, I'm going to Amsterdam next next year. That's where I'm going. I end up going there. And I mean, I had never thought a thing about Amsterdam before that. Like I had just never, I don't know. But I get there and um, it ends up being like something about that place. Just, I just have, I just felt so familiar, so at home, so like this version of myself that I couldn't explain. I went through this, um, I almost went through like, I think it was kind of one of my first awakenings in a way. It wasn't a full blown Mm -hmm. spiritual awakening, but, but looking back and after having done some past life work, um, I think that I had a past life there. Um, I think that I, uh, yeah, I think I had a past life there and, you know, I could go into the details of that another time. But I actually think that looking back, me being there was a really healing experience for me. It was something that my soul called me to that I was not even fully aware of what was going on until I had my awakening later in life. And then I look back and I go, oh, everything really shifted there. Like there was a lot mm-hmm. of soul healing that needed – I needed to go back there and I needed yeah. to – yeah. Um, and I actually, it's so funny because before I went there, I was very against tattoos. I was very judgmental about tattoos. And then mm-hmm. when I let, um, I was so changed by that experience that I actually got the symbol for Amsterdam tattooed on my back as my first tattoo. And it's it, the symbol for Amsterdam is three X's. <laughs> and I got that on my back. And I, I just found it so funny that I was like so judgmental of tattoos. And then the first tattoo I get is like three X's, which in the States, you know, that means something different than um, Amsterdam. Although people do still come up to me and go, is that symbol for Amsterdam? I'm like, yeah, it is. So um, I love that. I yeah. Love that. So I have that. That's, I love that experience. Thank you for sharing that heartfelt and deep experience because as you said it was healing and that's that's the power of this kind of work um it's it's about healing and learning more about one's dharma and duty and how we can heal ourselves and access these soul lessons that we're meant to learn and as we learn them we heal others and heal this world so beautiful and i'd love to just piggyback with even talking about a little bit ancestral and family bloodline healing. I mean, one thing I do want to add about the um, past life regression work, which I want to make sure I mention is dreams. Dreams too. Like sometimes they're not always a Freudian symbol, metaphor or distortion fragment. Sometimes our dreams, you know, can be literally a little clip from from a past life. So that's something to, to pay attention to, right? The dream oh, world. I used to have, when I was younger, I used to have the most vivid dreams over and over and over again that I look back once again and I'm like, that was absolutely from a past life. Like one dream that I would have over and over and over again was I would find out that um, that the something, I think this was, I really feel like this was an Atlantis um, 
the Atlantis lifetime, mm-hmm. I found out I could something bad was happening, something bad was going to happen, or like everything was going to be destroyed. I like knew it, and I and the the clip that's in my dream is I'm running, 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 running to try to get to my family, um, in time. And then um and then I have this other dream. This is terrifying, but I used to have it all the time when I was little that I have murdered someone, and mm-hmm. the, and I snap into the dream. I don't see any of the murder take place. I just look down at my hands and realize that I have murdered someone. Mm-hmm. And it is the worst feeling. And I remember just having that over and over and over again. And each time just feeling like, no, this cannot be my life. I cannot live my life with this on my hands. I cannot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can say that that's, that can be symbolic for just, you know, feeling like maybe you've done something that you can't take back or something like that. But those two clips felt so real, like yeah. so real. So yeah, I, I dreams, 100%. Huge, huge. You know, and then when we have traumatic dreams like that, yeah, unpacking them in the way of not just like for, I'm Freudian, especially when they don't feel that way, but like, oh, okay, how can I heal from these traumas that I could be bringing with me from another life, right? And doing that kind of trauma work. Um, yeah, and in the way of ancestors and family bloodlines, you know, there's a lot of meditations that are beautiful now we can do online again, that beauty and access of the, the cosmic Shakti dancing and technology. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like what are ways that you've done this work? Oh, what are ways that I've done this work with, um, sorry, like, like processing the traumas? Well, and like your ancestor work, like connecting to ancestors or healing family lines or like, for example, like I think about the family and I was taught this way um, in Ireland to really invoke my Irish ancestors by different foods, different spices, different Mm. um, little rituals, you know, so you can one way I've worked with people is like thinking about where your family and the history is from, what plants they grew, what crops they they had. You know, and that's a way that you can work with ancestors by bringing them in your house, cooking those foods, eating those foods, meditating on them, breathing in those herbs. You know, it's very Taurasian, actually, Taurus sense, you know, using your senses (laughs) to then then go meditate after you've done that, you know, and see what happens when you direct your intention because energy flows where intention goes, right? So we were talking about that early with space and feng shui and, and vastu and all that, but the same thing with this. So are there any little hacks and ways that things that you do in addition to, you know, just like, okay, a guided led ancestor meditation, which is fabulous. Yeah. You know what? I, I really don't do that much ancestor work. And I really, I, that's not to say that I don't totally, um, understand the magnitude of it. And actually, as you were talking about like, what did they eat? And I was like, oh, that's so, that's so interesting. I've never even thought of that. That's really powerful. Um, But, you know, I I do like to call in my ancestors when I'm doing uh, um, my meditations or when I'm doing healings, um, when I'm working with people to help them heal things in their family lineage. Mm -hmm. Um, Because there's so many people that I work with that I'm just like, you know, they're like, I don't understand why this is so scary for me or why this is so heavy. And it's like, because it's literally been in your family line for so long that it feels so challenging to think about actually, you know, um, healing that it, even though it's, it's an, it's an act of service truly for you and your ancestors to, um, and your future family, right? Your future exactly. lineage. Exactly. 
to, to have it stop with you. And in fact, it's like, I really love thinking about this idea of, you know, I, I really believe that we reincarnate into the same families, uh, oftentimes. And so it's like, um, I, I, it's so fascinating to think of this idea of like, okay, maybe you came here before and you, you, um, embodied this pattern, right? This, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> this limiting pattern, right? Maybe it was like, a unworthiness or maybe it was a even abuse or something like that. Um, and you perpetuated it in that lifetime and you, and so then, you know, you transition and then maybe you come back a couple generations later. And now in this timeline, in this lifetime, you have the opportunity and the gift to actually embody it once more to then have the opportunity to realize I do not want this. I do not want this for myself. I do not want this for my ancestors. I do not want this for my future family lineage. And so now that I am here embodying it, holding it, I get the opportunity to transmute it and that will ripple backwards and forwards in time and, you know, and, and it into my, and snap me into a whole new present. And, um, and I love when we're talking about ancestors, like that's where I think quite a bit about ancestor work. And I, I really, uh, I really get lit up about that because, because again, like I'll work with people who feel devastated that they have, they've come to me to work on something, but they feel devastated that they have to, they have had to embody this or experience this for a period of time. And I like to reflect back to them, but isn't it beautiful that because you are embodying or experiencing this right now, you now have this in your hands and you have the power to shift it for 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 your whole line? How powerful is that? You know exactly. It's I always have that image and everything you said. I totally resonate with a, a thousand percent. And I always think of it like the Russian doll work, like those mm. you know picturing like behind you, right? Doll after doll within a doll within a doll within a doll. And like you said, when you start speaking about that and and. When I think about this work, it is, it's like almost like dominoes forward and then the dominoes back or the Russian dolls fall back. Like it just, like you said, because time and space, as we know, like we're in a limited dimensionality most of the time, but it's been proven now that those things are very malleable and not at all what we think. And there are many other dimensions and the spirits and the ancestors are with us. And like you said, with your healing work, like when we call on them, they're no longer in their bodies. So they're, my understanding and experience is like their limited ego identification and selves, even with the actions that they did, right? When they were embodied, there's like this cloaking and this veil of understanding. So even like these ancestors that might have done, you know, misaligned things and horrible things, um, you know, out of a body, some of them for sure will have different perspectives and really are cheering us on to do this work. Because mm -hmm. like you said, the understanding is a lot of us come in these soul groups and soul families, you know, so whether it's our close friends and families and we go back and forth, but many, many traditions hold this, that we've got like these soul groups that we, that we roll in to lifetime and lifetime again. And so it's like a real, there's a sense of, it's like a real team effort. In, our, in like our karmic lesson. So it was so beautiful what you said about that whole thing and how our work, um, our work and when we work with ancestors, um, they can be our allies, like you said, calling on them for energy mm -hmm. and, and they're cheering us on and then figuring out how to do our own personal inner work that will resound backwards into them yeah. karmically in our family lines and then forward. 
so profound, so profound. And, and doing things like, um, like I was talking about those embodied things are for the purposes of, of that, like healing, like honoring and healing and, and part of that, like sort of embodied practice we can do. And then the work that you do of, of, you know, tapping and, you know, which is so beneficial for trauma, trauma work, um, is so potent for that kind of work. And, and with, do you do the same thing like with your spirit allies? Like when you, when you heal, cause you're such a great healer and working, do you, do you call on ancestors? Like how, how do you call on your spirit allies is the term I like to say. Yeah. I just, angels. I, I like to call them in, in the beginning of my sessions just to support me and support, um, whatever is, is wanting to happen, um, for my client, um, and, and just support them in making this shift because I think it's a really beautiful thing to, to be able to have the belief and the comfort and the knowledge that, like you said, these energies are here to assist us, you know? And if, if, for those who don't, you know, there's many people that don't believe that, right? And that's okay. Like that, that's really just that's that's fine. That's everybody's choice whether you want to believe that and connect with that or not. And so for me, it feels like such a gift to be able to connect with that and believe that and have that connection and knowing that there are all of these beings, ancestors, um, spirit team, um, you know, like star family, you could even call it um all of these beings that are genuinely wanting uh, the healing of humanity and the ascension of humanity and um, are, are here supporting each and every one of us. And so I really just like to call attention to that when I'm working in the beginning of um, my sessions because I feel like it adds a whole nother layer of comfort and the ability to relax into what's happening. Because I think when I first started doing healing work, I I was of the idea, as I think many of us are, it's like, okay, I got to make something happen here. And truly, the more that I started doing the work and realizing, no, I don't have to make anything happening here. happen here. Everything's already happening here. I, it's happening. I'm just holding the space for it. I'm, do, I'm, I'm showing up. But really, essentially, I'm just holding the space and allowing this to happen and holding the intention that this is happening. And I've honestly found that that is so much more powerful. Like things happen so much more quicker, so much more quickly, so much more potently. Um, and uh, it feels like magic happens truly. And so I feel like when you're calling in, you know, the, the spirit team or, or your ancestors or, or these other beings, it just, like I said, it allows, it allows everyone to kind of relax a little bit more into that happening. Mm, oh, oh, I'm just like, like totally on fire here because it's, it's so profound what you said. And I just had this image too. I could like see you and your work cause I can see things. <laughs> and then I saw all these like executive, like, like how this really can be applied for, for any work, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's totally this teaching. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the yoga and the Bhagavad Gita, this great yoga text. Um, that philosophically talks about like, it's this warrior who goes into battle and he, he, it's that balance of effort and surrender. And it's said in yoga, they're, they're two wings of the bird and it's, it's half effort. Like, you know, and I saw these executives in the offices, like you, it's, you show up, you, you prepare, you, you, you know, create space. Like you and I talked about, you move furniture, you and I, we burn sage, like whatever, whatever you do, maybe it's, you put on your suit and your tie, right. And you shave, whatever it is, but you show up. 
But then that's that aspect of surrender, which in our American kind of mind, surrender is like a negative term, like, oh, white flag, you lose. But no, like it's what you're talking about. You you realize, I love what you said, the work is then already happening and you are holding the intention and you're holding space. And if we could do that with every action in our life, right? Like fully show up and then hold intention and hold space. Because mm-hmm. if, so if you think about it too, you just gave me this image. It's like when we're efforting and trying to make something happen, it's like you can get this image of like your energy is being expended. It go, it, it's so crazy. It comes full circle back around to what we initially were talking about, right? That like mm-hmm. less um, – Uh, more impact, less effort, right? So it's like you can imagine how when you're trying, 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 you feel like, oh, I got to make this happen. And what's happening? You're using all this energy. You're using all this energy that could actually be going towards allow like like this happening right instead of expending it worrying and fretting about like and 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 pushing hard against something you don't need to push against. And so it's that idea of like I get this image of, I've been getting this image recently of uh, queen energy, queen, Mm -hmm. the queen archetype of the queen, like she sits on her throne. She, her back is straight. Her head is high and she does not, you know, run around the the palace or her kingdom or whatever, you know, like freaking out. and, And, and she, she sits there, she makes decisions. She trusts that it will happen right? And it does. It all does. And she does not really lift many fingers. And I think, you know, you, you can, you can see the queen in, in a couple of different lights, but I like to look at the queen as like this beautiful leader. And mm. Um, mm. I love that. Cause I talk a lot about sovereignty and to me, that's what mysticism is about. And it's, you know, threads of what we spoke of, like, you know, how we in the end of the day and ultimately our own teachers and this idea of sovereignty. So when you're saying that image, I feel into totally what energetically you're saying is right. How can we become sovereign? And then of course, like a queen or a, a skillful queen, right. Working for that matter, right. Acts, you know, and does, and ultimately is on her horse and on his horse. If they need to be like, they're in the battle on the horse when they need to be, but not all the time. <laughs> like you said, like the majority, they're sitting in their power and they're pausing. And I love that image. And they know that they have the support of their lineage. So just to tie it into the ancestor and the, the, the spirit allies. I love that, that word you said, spirit team. I hadn't heard that. That's so sweet. Right? Like that. And that's what maybe we'll punctuate our talking time with. Like this idea that when you are sovereign, you know the universe has your back. And there are ancestors who have your back and their spirit allies and team, right? And so it's that practice of remembering that, particularly when you're making bigger decisions or particularly, you know, when you're doing your work in the world, how can we, how can we pause like a king or queen and those thresholds and moments? And then if it's a practice that makes sense to you, call on those helpers who are there. Like you literally have an energetic army. Yeah. Mm. Wow, can you you have like a minute or two to lead us into like some like I don't know, like a prayer or invocation or how like a few sentences of of how you might invoke that energetic army when you do your work. Mm. Okay. Well, would you like to combine this with a little bit of tapping, like a 2-minute tap for listeners? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. What do you what do you feel like your listeners most need right now or maybe the thing that's like most on their heart right now? Could you sense that? 
Yeah, I, I can't. What came up for me is grounding. Mm. Yeah, okay. Grounding. Okay, so if you're listening, what you can do is close your eyes if you're not driving a car or anything like that, if it's safe to. And you're just going to bring your hands to your chest and put your feet on the floor if you can. And we're going to take a deep breath in together. Let it out. And you're tapping your hands on your chest at the same time, just lightly in a percussive motion. And at this time, we're going to call in our ancestors and our spirit teams, our spirit guides, the entities that surround us that are for our highest good and are always looking out for us whether we are fully aware of it or not. To take this moment to be aware of it, to sense them, and to feel their love and support in helping us feel more grounded in this moment, in this current reality, in this human body that we're inhabiting. I'm going to take another deep breath. <sighs> Continuing to tap on the chest. And just noticing in this moment how you're sitting in your seat. Just noticing how your seat is underneath you, holding you, supporting you, keeping you upright so that you can do this little exercise. And if you go a layer below that to the floor and you notice or feel with your feet how sturdy the floor is, how solid it is, and how it too is holding you, supporting you, supporting your seat, keeping you upright. And then finally, we're going one layer below that to the earth. And just sense through your energetic connection to her how she's always supporting you. She's always underneath you, loving you, holding you, nurturing you, and the floor and your seat. And notice how just in this moment, just in these couple of minutes, 
how in all of these ways, all these very subtle ways, you are being loved and held and nurtured and supported and anchored onto this planet where you've intended to be. And take a deep breath. And release. And then bring your hands to prayer. And just sense how you feel. And that's it. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Uh, just the perfect punctuating meditation and such a gift for our listeners who could always just rewind and do that little section at any moment of their day-to-day life and make that a daily thing. So thank you, Alexa, for that grounded and totally Taurasian moon (laughs) and sun. (laughs) I love Taurus energy. (laughs) Embodying us and soothing us. And um, Alexa, how can folks find out more about you, your tapping work, your your podcast work in this yeah. world? Yeah. Um, well, you can go to my website, which is alexasoothes.com, A-L-E-X-A-S-O-O-T-H-E-S.com. Um, I just got a whole new website. I love it. Go check it out. Let me know what you think. Um, I, you can find me on Instagram, Alexa Soothes as well. Uh, YouTube, I have some free tapping videos on there, so you can go utilize those if you want to explore a little bit of a generalized tapping experience. But, um, if you want to do a private session, that's usually how I work with people. I do it virtually and, you know, private sessions are very customized to you and, you know, it's, it's designed to help you move through whatever it is that is weighing you down or keeping you from being your most empowered, alive, expressed self. So um, you can book a session with me on my, web- my website. And then you can also check out my podcast, which is called Inner Bloom, I-N-N-E-R-B-L-O-O-M. And uh, that's on all streaming platforms. And we have two episodes a week. And uh, talking about all kinds of fun stuff, very similar to this, but you know, it, you know, in our inner bloom way. So would love <laughs> to, would love to have you be part of the community. And Alexa has so generously offered the amazing discount of $50 off one of her profound tapping sessions for all of my Patreon supporters at any donation level. So head on over to my exciting Patreon page patreon.com slash modern mystic love. You can support this podcast even at the $5 a month level and get all sorts of awesome discounts and deals from all of my guests at every donation level. Plus my monthly yoga and meditation videos. Also check out my website, modernmystic.love, where I sell my online yoga, meditation and mindfulness videos as well. Well, Alexa, thank you so much for your really elucidating, soothing, and really intelligent download of all the things that you shared with our listeners today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. This was a beautiful experience. I feel honored to be here and I appreciate you so much. Mm -hmm. Namaste. 
Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening. Also, check out my exciting Patreon page at patreon.com slash modernmysticlove, where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.